years. I couldn't even get my damn computer to work at all. I don't know. And then it just, I text my wife, I'm like, what do I do? And then it just started freaking working. <laughs> so I don't know what was going on with it. So we went up to you, dude. Oh, just draining my butt off. Uh, healthy? <laughs> yeah, I feel great. Healthy. Just uh, suffering these last week, you know, trying to cut this weight nice and easy. I'm How's that going? I'm at 53 right now. Right. So I'm hoping to wake up 51, 52 tomorrow. Yeah. And cut the last four, five, six pounds. Yeah, you don't so, cut a lot though, right? Nah. Yeah. Nah, this, this kid's coming down from 194. Yeah, I've seen that. And then uh, he's, because like Summer does a weigh-in check. Yeah. And uh, she sent him a photo because he didn't post it on the, I was like, where's he at? And she's like, oh, he says he's at 150. I was like, there ain't no fucking way. No. Ain't no way you're losing fucking 30, 40 pounds in uh, eight weeks. There's just no way. No, and that's that's not too healthy either. I mean, if if you if you think about it in that aspect, so you see that in like even in high school wrestling, like the kids that you know, high school wrestlers a lot of times what they do is is they they lie about it. You know what I mean? That's not really lie, but they don't want to tell coach the bad news. Like, yeah. hey, I'm really five or ten pounds over. You know what I mean? I'm close. But then it always comes out in a wash, like uh, wrestling day. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can tell how they're looking. You know, you can usually tell somebody's face, like, oh, I just cut a lot of weight. You yeah, know he's mean? sunk in. He, he yeah. you know, they're, you're, they're miserable. Yeah. It's hard to pretend you're happy when you're dehydrated. You can't be Sucked happy. up. And, no, and have to go perform at a high level against somebody that's trying to take your head off. You know, yeah. especially in wrestling, you know, how those guys, they want you on, they want you on your back. I could tell, like, when I when I was in high school, like, I didn't know what, what was going on. Uh, but even if I cut too much weight, my anxiety would get real bad. Like, yeah, because you know in your head, you're like, oh, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to, yeah. I know I didn't cut it right. Like, yeah, that's why I say, like, you beat yourself sometimes whenever you don't cut diet properly and all yeah. that stuff. Because in the back of your head, you're like, oh, fuck, I cut too much. I'm going to be tired. And then all that positive affirmation that you're supposed to be doing went out the window because now you're like, I'm not gonna do good because I didn't cut weight properly. I'm I'm tired. I'm weak. You right. know, like I hate that weak feeling. You know, like when you're you just get done, and you're like, oh. you finally got a sign. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think like I could fight at all right now. You know? Yeah, man, it's different. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't look at it that way though. Like the mental aspect of cutting weight too, because you know you, you lose all that weight, and then like I said, like it used to mess my anxiety up, and I didn't even realize what was. I was too young to know what was going on. Yeah. you know what I mean. But people don't look at it that way because when when you're anxious, man, you make all kinds of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, like you know, when we were growing up, that really wasn't a word or a feeling that was thrown around too much. You no, know? you didn't hear about anxiety or you know things like that. And <clears throat> just the mental wokeness of this generation it allows these younger kids to be more in tune with the mental health as you know opposed to we were we were just like you know told to suck it up and be a man yeah. you know and now these young kids are like hey you, you might be anxious or anxiety and like what the hell does that mean you know like anxiety what is that yeah the first time i ever fucking probably felt anxiety was there was a storm coming my son was just born you know and oh, yeah. me and my buddies used to be the storm chasers like let's go find the tornado and yeah. but as soon as my son was born i saw the wind blowing the trees start laying down i was like we're getting in the car we're driving out of town till the storm's over i can't have my son in this and i waited drove to duncan got some don jose's uh wait till the storm passed and we drove back home safe <laughs> it uh, made me nervous and i was just like i gotta get my son to safety quickly it's not a game anymore yeah i remember that feeling too uh when we had kids and storms, you know what I mean? Uh, it quickly passed, though, because my wife, being from Oklahoma, this is this is crazy to me, right? Being from Oklahoma, I've never seen a woman freak out so bad in her life when there's anything that even resembles a tornado. <laughs> it gets bad, dude. And uh, I'm freaking out, too, but I just kind of hold it in. Yeah. You know I mean, it's just like... Phew. Well, as the man, you got to be like, all right, I got to be the calm one if everyone's <laughs> yeah. freaking out. So it looks like somebody's in control. Yeah, and I really don't. I just... Sometimes you just got to roll the dice, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but right there, that's a... Uh, the So there's a pantry right there. The room next door is like... It's supposed to be the safe room. Of the oh, house. Yeah. So if there's a tornado, that's where you're supposed to go. Cool, so cool. Heather had the... She had everything take, taken out. Flashlights in there. Blankets. Kids have been there chilling. Yeah. <laughs> like... 
I'm like, ah, oh, man. Yeah, my son's really into it. He watches on YouTube top 10 tornadoes and he can yeah. quote them all off. You know, this one's F3, this one's F5, this one was in Chani, this one was in Moore. And he's obsessed with them until they're close. And then, you know, when that one just came and everyone got that hell damage, we were inside of an easy go because it looked like baseballs were falling out of the sky of ice. And then the easy go people, we pulled in to get some coverage and they're like, hey, come inside, there's a tornado. And that easy, you can see all the storefront all the way around. And we saw like just the wind going yeah. around in a circle. And then we went to the freezer and <clears throat> it was quite an, an intense uh, experience. Dude, yeah. I just seen a, you remember the, the classic movie Twister, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just seen they was making a part too. I think I, they was, I think I seen they was filming in Chickasha or yeah, something like that. Yeah, they're going like to be it. filming here in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Yeah. And it was, it, they was filming like conveniently around all them tornadoes and hell damage what's going on you know what I mean? we get lucky out here i don't knock on wood yeah but we've been really lucky like every time elgin like has been like we i say lucky like i've had to replace my roof a few times because yeah. of hell damage but it's not been nothing like windows breaking in when we got real bad in elgin we never yeah. got i think that, that mountain bad. range like that wind hits that mountain range it kind of slows it up and then it picks back up after it hits that mountain range and it hits more almost every time so yeah. i think that mountain range kind of slows that that down a little bit maybe i'm not a meteorologist i don't know just my own personal theory hey, but then man. it gains a whole lot of momentum after it gets over those mountains and it crushes more almost every time man. i know dude uh so uh what was that my phone oh that's cool oh uh i was making shots man i heard gunshots <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while oh uh no nah, but I, I i come on i leave like when was the last one they had the big tornado they had that went through more what year was that I can't remember the year, but it was really bad. I do remember that. Yeah, we. Uh, cause I come home on leave, and we went. We went up there and helped out. Uh, uh, trying to think when that was. It was a while ago, I guess. Thank God, you know. But man, it was it was bad, dude. Like they had a. Uh, this farmer was showing me he had like two hundred year old uh, pecan trees that was just sucked over, man. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's crazy. Like, and he he said the way he explained it to me is like the tornado didn't even touch it. It was just the suction coming from the tornado just sucked it over. Yeah, and like. Man, it was wild. Uh, but he was explaining it to me, and he, he said, "You know, the craziest thing about this is this: these pecan trees have been in my family, like on my family property for all the years. We have a tornado, and as soon as we have a tornado and sucked them over, I've already had multiple people come out here and offer to buy them trees off and make some of the wood." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, I don't know, what, I don't know how to take that." Yeah, <laughs> are you mad? Because I don't know. I feel like I'm mad for you. You know? <laughs> yeah, take my family traditional trees and cut them up and burn them. You yeah. Smoke some, uh, briskets with them i guess i think he said something about uh the last part it was uh, they make musical instrument out of them or something, oh, okay. something like that i didn't know that <clears throat> i do know they like to smoke a lot of food with pecan but... oh yeah that's always good i got i got a little bit of pecan outside actually that's yeah. what i i like to use a little you know pecan wood but mostly i cook with hardwood though you like smoking any food oh yeah of course yeah what's your go-to uh pork butt it's the easiest yeah. the easiest one to do i uh, one thanksgiving I uh, smoked a pork butt all night, like eight hours, like through the whole night because I got out of training late. So it's like midnight to, to like three or four in the morning. So I took a little nap. I woke up and I went to move my apple because I'll put some like apple juice, a tray of apple yep. juice and some butter and let it, you know, steam yep. into the the to the meat and like I tipped it over and it went into the bottom part of the smoker and a big flames came up and it's like three in the morning I'm half asleep burn my eyebrows off <laughs> I was like God, ah, I was like this better be the best pork butt because I wanted to make pork butt stuffing and like stuff the turkey with it so then yeah. after after you mm. we cooked the turkey that smoky flavor would come through yeah. from the inside and it was delicious but it did cost me my eyebrows so. yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that stuffed turkey with pork butt <clears throat> the best pork butt I ever made I did on accident uh i forgot about it uh my neighbor actually he was a, he was a captain in the military i think he just got promoted to major and i mean anyways it was pcs and so he had to move right he's like dude i got this pork button there dude if uh i got two of them will you smoke my you just i let you have one i'm like done deal so i went out there got the smoker set up started cooking them i forgot all about it <laughs> forgot all about it man and again i mean luckily i mean it turned out to the best one I had, dude. Yeah, yeah. The I, best one I, I love it because the next day I'm making pulled pork tacos. I'm doing pork yeah. pork enchilada. You get so much meat out of it. You get meals for days. So. Yeah, so I, that was about. I, I didn't. It wasn't an all night cook though. It was about. It cooked for about twelve and a half hours, I'd say. And oh, then uh, I, at the six hour mark, I went out and checked the fire. Uh, it was smoking good. Put some new wood in it. 
And at that point, I forgot about it, man. It just kept rolling, dude. Like 12 hours is a long time, so that probably came out beautifully. Yeah, it was good, though. It was really good, man. And I was, I was surprised. I was like, oh, man, I don't mess it. I was talking trash too, dog. I was like, "Oh yeah, dude, I got you. I've cooked thousands of these. You know what I mean? Over exaggerating a little bit." Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh man, I done ruined this dude's stuff, man. He's moving. He's gonna tell his buddies about this for the rest of his life." <laughs> yeah, these Oklahoma boys can't smoke. <laughs> yeah, and I just ruined it. And uh, <clears throat> nah, but it turned out good though. It was really good. Hell yeah, he really liked it. Oh, uh, so back to the fight, dude. How many? Uh, when it comes to the fight card, how many actual fights are going to be on the fight card? I think there's 15 total, and two of them are grappling matches. One of my coaches is grappling on the card. He's a really high-level grappler. His name's Shelby Anderson. He owns Goose Reapers as well. So if you want to duck hunt, goose hunt, crane hunt, when the season hits, he has a guide service out by Rocky, Oklahoma. Then you will definitely be killing some ducks. I work for him out there in the season. I'm the duck cleaner, so I get to be covered in blood and ripping hearts and throwing them up against the wall and watching them slide down. It's just a really <laughs> bloody job, but it's a savage job, and I like it. You know, I'm a city boy, so it feels good to go out there and like learn about you know wildlife type stuff and get your hands dirty. You know, because one day you might have to survive and you got to have the stomach to slaughter some animals and yeah. have the stomach to clean them and know what you can and can't eat off of the birds. And so it's a very interesting job. Uh, so. You know, shout out to him. Yeah, he's fighting. A, he's grappling a guy, another brown belt from uh, an AMA academy where I just fought that last fight, King Coulter from. Uh, so uh, I think my coach is going to easily dominate, maybe finish him out in the first round just because right. he's that good. But uh, we'll see, man. Uh, I've a lot, I got one teammate, Ben Lucas, fighting on the card. Another teammate, Dante Johnson from AMP down in Wichita Falls exciting young kid he's getting moved to the back of the card because he's lighting people up so uh, <clears throat> i'm excited to watch those kids there's a lot of young kids on the card that i don't know the next generation's coming in strong yeah. so looking forward to seeing a lot of these young kids and see what they got in store you know because eventually they might come up to swisher's level and i might have to beat them up so. <laughs> <clears throat> there's a uh, one of elgin's uh east wrestle for us uh I think he left when he was a junior or a sophomore went to Lawton, but he, uh, uh, Livingston, he's uh, fighting on that card as well. So it should be interesting. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, it's always interesting that first fight. You know, you want to see what, <clears throat> not only just what their skills are, because, you know, everyone can be a bad motherfucker in the gym, but put those bright lights on somebody and throw them out there in front of their friends and family. And <clears throat> it's definitely a game changer, you know, yeah. so. That's why I started that tough man first. I was like, I can, I can move pretty good. I can do what I need to do, but can I do it when there's a whole lot of added pressure? You know, like they say, like public speaking is like the number one fear for most people. Right. Try public fighting. You know, <laughs> I think it's a little bit more intense. You know, because nobody wants to get beat on in front of their mom, dad, sister, yeah, girlfriend, brothers, and stuff. So, a lot of people look <laughs> at that though. They, 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 they're like we was, we talked about anxiety a little bit earlier. You know what I mean? But that's. One of them things, like some people are like, they just beat yourself up for even get there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I try to use adversity, anxiety, everything as fuel. Like the more, the like sometimes I like shit doesn't go my way and I can easily be like, shit didn't go my way. Uh, this happened, that happened, that's why I lost, you know, but I choose to say, you know what, this is going to make my victory that much sweeter. Pour that shit on. Give me everything you got, you know, because right. I'm still going to come out and I'm still going to whoop ass. I'm still going to win. And it, it just makes my victory that much sweeter to be like, you know, man, this happened, this happened, this happened, and I still pulled the shit off. I don't use it as like, oh, this shit's happening to me. What am I going to do? It's, it, You know, I can't concentrate. I can't focus. I'm like, dude, nothing's ever going to be perfect. Um, so just go out there and do what you got to do. It's, it's the bottom right. line. So as far as training goes and stuff like that, you know, we talked a little bit about your training last time. So now, you know, this closed out to the fight. Can, can you talk a little bit like, uh, you know, about your training process, stuff that maybe you did different or something that you feel like you've done so good you had to keep doing it? Uh, my last hard day was Friday, last Friday, and just maintaining health and uh, getting my body to the healthiest it can be while still sweating, trying to maintain this uh, weight cut. I got to slowly drop down. I don't like to cut a lot. <clears throat> so uh, I always try to cut three to four pounds max. Right. And I'm on target for that. I just got to, you know, two more days of suffering, you know. We got tonight. Might have a small meal tonight. I haven't ate anything today. And uh, 
we're on to it our first thing in the morning i'll be heading over to the ymca they got a nice big sauna for me and uh be over there sweating with my some of my teammates so dude i got one in the garage right now we did it up for you one time my brother bubba was fighting at a bellator in thackerville and we missed the bus to the sauna because they didn't have a sauna at the time and uh he's like dude what are we gonna do i was like bro it's like 110 outside like just go put your your sauna suit on go sit out in the car we were done in like 10 or 15 minutes oh yeah 100 percent. it's like just roll the windows up you already know how they talk about don't leave your kid in the car yeah which is also a crazy story. A, a woman did that the other day, left her baby in the store while she went to Walmart and then she started freaking out because the baby, she could, she locked her keys in the car and she's like, will you come bust my window out? And I was like, uh, if you're okay with it, I will accommodate you. Matter of fact. <laughs> so yeah, like busted her window out and got the, got the baby to safety and stuff. So. How old was the baby? Like baby baby? Yeah, infant baby. Oh, wow. That's me terrifying, <clears throat> man, because you hear about stuff like that. You know, people... On the baby was in there all freaking out, you know, and it's Ooh. super, super hot. And I'm like, you should. I was like, as soon as the cops come, you're going to probably get in trouble. You know yeah. what I mean? <clears throat> but, yeah, brand new car, too. So How'd you break the window? I had a hammer in the back of my oh, truck. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't want to punch it, break my hand. No, that's why I was asking. But, yeah, I just whacked it with the hammer one time, and I was like, hmm, that didn't work. And then I was like, I guess we got to swing harder. Second time was the charm. Boom. Yeah. Uh busted and they got in there and i was like i'm not sticking around for the police so i'll see y'all later yeah and i went to uh this sears school is what it is survive escape resist and invade it's uh but they teach you how like to uh you know pick locks you know break out of handcuffs padlocks break windows but when i when i was growing up i had a there there was always a thing like you could throw a spark plug at the window and break it right and i I, my dumbass i just thought it was because something was electrical charge the spark plug or something but it's really just the porcelain right yeah the porcelain on the spark plug uh so that's one of the first thing that they they started talking to us about you know just a little piece of that and throw the window and just breaks the shit out of it yeah it's crazy i I always knew about that you just go up there and tap it and it'll shatter that tempered glass easy Who's the professional? There was a professional wrestler back in the day, legit messed his hand up. So he thought he was so tough he could break a window. I want to say it was Goldberg or something, but there there was a, a skit right where he was, you know, he, he was going to go in. He's supposed to break this window, right? So he was like, "No, nah, I can just break the window." And he like met really legit messed his hand up because you know they just don't break that easy. No, tempered glass <laughs> is a special kind of glass. It's like heated to a certain temperature. That's what makes it spider web instead yeah. of like plate glass. Plate glass shards when it breaks and the big chunks can cut you. Yeah. So like for like commercial, my dad was a glass man for 30 years. That's okay. how I know. So uh, in like commercial windows where like huge shards could cut your cut you in half or something like that, they usually replace everything with tempered glass. So if it breaks, it shatters into a million pieces so nobody gets cut right. or loses a limb or, or anything like that. But it's in the center of the, the window, it's always super hard. You can punch it, it can withstand like 10 times the amount of pressure as regular plate glass. Right. But if you tap the edges, it'll spider web. So it's weak on the it's and then in the and it's the exact opposite with plate glass. You can tap the edges, but if you tap the center, it'll bust a lot easier. It's just right. really weird. Yeah, that's wild. Did, did you ever, uh, did you ever watch? Was it Fun Factor with uh, was it Rob Deerdick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the episode where he walked through the the glass window? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I feel suspect about that, but I've always told myself if I'm in an opportunity to try that, I would try it. You know yeah. what I mean? I got my own right here, but I don't want to pay for that shit. Those big glasses are expensive. Yeah, but that was, that was a cold episode, though. I mean, dude, that was a fun show in general, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember there was like another one, too, where you had to like run through a bunch of them, you know? Like yeah. it was like some type of contest show, and you had to bust through all this glass. And- so what do you think about the uh, the the new season of the Ultimate Fighter? You've been keeping up with it? Yeah, I actually have. Um, I think I'm an episode behind. Uh, I haven't seen the one where Connor's finally won a match, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, it can be like that when you got people that have never been into that high level and a bunch of guys that have already been there and then now they they're so hungry to get back they were good enough to achieve it in the first place then they kind of lost it you know because some people can get complacent sometimes they achieve uh what they thought was their dream getting to the ufc and then they kind of got complacent you gotta you gotta build off that dream the dream has to keep growing in order for you to stay hungry you can never 
get complacent, you know, and those guys that made it there were like, I got to make it back and do it right this time. So yeah. I think the vets had a, a edge because they had already been there and competed at yeah. such a high level where these young and up and coming guys, you know, undefeated 7-8-0 in a regional circuit, it's a lot different, you know, fighting, you know, straight killers. Because if you're in the UFC, you got to be a killer. Yeah. So. I like the, uh, you remember back in the day when they first started, like if you lost, you went home, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so what What do you think the the mentality is like inside the house? You as being a fighter, if you was had to be trapped in the house, win or lose, you know what I mean, but you're still there, what's the mentality you think for, for them young fighters? To me, I would be like, okay, I lost my time, Is I'm not going to make it, but what I can do is still get this awesome coaching that I'm getting. Right. I can still grow as an athlete, still learn. Uh, sometimes things don't go your way and like we were talking about earlier you it's up to you to choose how you handle that you can make it a positive experience or you can make it a negative experience um, and a lot of those guys get fights in the UFC still just because you know they either had a good fight or they you know there's a lot to being a martial artist other than just fighting uh, and I tell my guys all the time too I'm like just because you competed already and your stuff's over doesn't mean that uh, you get to take a break you know because we have other guys that have stuff coming up we're a team so even after I'm done fighting I hop right back in the gym because my guys have things and I need to be there for them so they need bodies and good work and right. so it's like a it's a t take it's an individual sport you climb in that cage alone but it takes a whole team there to get you there right so uh if if i had lost my mentality would be like well i'm gonna help my teammate win and get the victory you know like i still want to make a positive fear and still want to learn from those coaches you know because you can learn from everybody you don't have to like somebody or get along with them to respect them or learn from them like i've had coaches that i didn't like them as a person but i respected their gifts and their qualities as a fighter and i was like you know what i can push my my how I personally feel aside to learn from this person and, and grow my skills. So uh, if I, and like those are world-class coaches you're getting. So it's cool to have your own home team and, and get and learn from them. But sometimes it's a, it's also a plus to pick other brains and, and look at other right. different, there's a thousand ways to do an arm bar. There's a thousand ways to do a guillotine. And uh, if you can learn, you know, even half of those from your coach and then learn the other half from here or there, or there, that's why I like to cross train and, get other looks and my coaches are all about it <clears throat> because they know it's good to learn it all you know like the sport of mma uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu even wrestling it's forever evolving these young up-and-coming kids are super athletic and they're inventing new takedowns they're inventing new submissions so it's something that you can just constantly i'll be learning for the rest of my life you right. know, even when i'm a black belt even when i'm a professor or you know head coach i'll still have a lot to learn myself so it's a journey that never ends because uh, people are evolving you see crazy new chokes new new setups new takedowns like i have kids that come from our wrestling program in lot you know mac wrestlers eisenhower wrestlers right. well not too many eisenhower wrestlers but, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> but uh they come in and they show me stuff different uh setups to takedowns and things that i didn't even know and i'm getting shown by a 17 year old kid and yeah. i'm 40 so i'm like all right you know like always be uh, have an open mind and always be willing to learn you know and uh, be humble you know because you never know so i yeah. always uh, have that respect and uh always have an open mind to learn you can learn it. that's how van damme said in blood's court never limit yourself to one style you know yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was a classic movie, bro. Oh man, I love it. I watch it all the time. I'm, I try to make my son watch one '80s movie a week, you know, because that it was like a different era where like those movies inspired you to want to be the hero, want you to be the man, yeah. want you to to like it shows like them usually getting their ass kicked in the beginning, them training hard, and then them coming back and winning, you know. And I just don't see a lot of movies for young men these days that are like that. So, what was the the was at the beginning of it when he he. Uh, he just gets to like the Kumite, right? And like he has to prove his lineages and they get like was it the death touch? Right? Yeah, Demok, yeah, he went to Demok, yeah, 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 that's what it was. He's like, Oh, you gotta break this brick and he's like, No, this one. The bottom one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Death touch, and that's like some crazy shit. I don't know how accurate that was. I just watched the deal uh, this morning about the real Frank Dukes and how what a yeah. hoax he was, and all that. He made up a bunch of shit about he was in the CIA and did this tournament where he had like fifty six knockouts in a row, and like just the stats were just. Dude, I'm so mad you're telling me this. Pretty I was, I was, I was willing to just die thinking that was just legit. Though. Yeah, it's it's it's. So, so the, hold on, wait, wait, hold on, man. We got it. I got. I was about to watch this movie in today, so. Mm -hmm. 
So you you, you say on me you watched something that was Frank Dukes was he wasn't legit. Yeah, where they had exposed everything that he's that he claimed like he was like because in the Bloodsport movie he went they went to Hong Kong to fight in the Kumite. Well, in yeah. real life he said that he went to like one of the Caribbean islands and entered this secret tournament and his uh his sensei was Tiger Tanaka. Well, they found out Tiger Tanaka was just a dude out of a James Bond novel. He never existed. He didn't die and he's like he said he went to Japan and they made him a ninja and he had like seven different black belts and like they just went down the rabbit hole and they're like okay we found out this is we've what exposed you see this on, dude? I will find it on Facebook I'll, I'll send it to you I'll send you the link dude you're ruining my life <laughs> dude I wasn't happy about it neither but uh, I was just like man you know it's you know it's not this is the 2024 you can't lie anymore people no, will, you can't, will go down every the internet is a black hole of information so they'll find out what you were doing how you were doing it what if you said a name they will they will fact check it and they will find your ass out so don't lie people <laughs> dude when i was uh so my my dad so we lived in uh he lived in this town called glover oklahoma dude it's mccurtain county but it's just a small town like you drive by there's a stores called North Post Store and there used to be a store called South Post Store on the other end so I, we would me and my dad would walk there to the because they had, they had rental movies you know VHS's and yeah. I can remember going out there and getting uh, Bloodsport uh, Bloodsport and there was another one was it Kickboxer? Yeah Kickboxer with Tom Poe yep, yep. yeah yeah dog. yeah I can remember going out there and getting these and renting these movies with my dad dog and it's so like at the time you know you're little you're not really thinking about it you know it's just I remember my dad just, you know, acting shit out like he was grotty too and shit. He's like, I, I kicked the hell out of somebody. You know I mean? <laughs> but my dad was in a wreck, so he, he had pins in his arm and stuff. Uh-huh. So he's like, yeah, ever since my, my wreck, you know, I just rather just, I just soon kick somebody, you know. And my, I remember my dad telling me this stuff, right? And then, uh, and so I got older and I had a buddy uh, I met in uh, Nashville, uh, not Nashville, Clarksville, Tennessee. And he told me, Frank Dukes, he's like, you know, that's a real person, right? And I was like, no way, he's not real. Now I started. Now I started looking up, and he was real. So I was like, "Dude, that, that was a that was based on a true story." Yeah. And then now you're ruining my life. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, brother, but damn, that's a that's how it goes sometimes, man. No, you're right. We though, find man. out a lot of our legends and like of our old school heroes really wasn't shit. You know, yeah. like, we're like, hey, wait a minute, this dude was a beating his wife and doing all this crazy shit. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't the best role model for me growing up, but. No, that is tough though. Like when you find out some shit like that about somebody, like a yeah, or like Steven Seagal, and, and they were oh. talking about Steven Seagal how he never and he made sure in every single one of his movies that he never lost a fight, beat him by a significant margin, and then you know obviously in real life, like he, when he went to help some of the MMA guys like Anderson Silva and stuff, they were like, you know, they were. Uh, Giving him, you know, a little bit of feedback and stuff, but they were like, "Yeah, he doesn't know shit, man. He's just making shit up." <laughs> I think the biggest one he did was when he did something with uh, Loyola Machida, right? Yeah. When he, the the crane kid. Yeah, uh, he was like, "I taught him that," and then he went out there and kicked this dude, knocked him out. It was out. Randy Couture. Yeah. yeah. Did he like, knock Randy Couture out? I was like, bro, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because no one has ever been doing that before, Stevens ago. Yeah, yeah, that that was wild, man. Who who was somebody else that he he uh. He worked with, but they they showed like a in the previews or something that he was in there, and they was like, "Now you got to kill the cameras, turn the cameras off." You know, he he was really private about it. But I seen a, a deal, and it was talking about how Steven Seagal and Van Damme almost fought one time. It was, it was like a at a Sylvester Stallone party or something like that, and uh, Steven Seagal wouldn't do it or whatever because they they were both like, you know what, people calling us fake. We'll do do this, but he's like, let's just get it then, you know, and. Uh, Sylvester Stone was like, yeah, uh, some Steven Seagal didn't want no smoke. So, <laughs> what what is his style of fighting though? Like, Aikido or Aikido, something like that. Yeah. yeah, which I fought an Aikido fighter before. It's just not very what realistic the, for combat. I know that it's a is isn't that like a specific? I, I could be getting my facts wrong, uh, but it, there, it's that style of fighting was wasn't it for like disarming people off horseback or yeah they like think that. they they think they they can use like your momentum against you and like, land you into some weird throw or some weird lock that just people don't like when they demonstrate it that person's not resisting you know yeah. so like if you grab my arm i'm just gonna pull it back and i'm gonna fucking punch you in the face you know what i mean i'm not gonna let you wrap up any of that stuff if we're on the ground i could understand how something like that could happen because right. there's nowhere to go there's nowhere to move but if you're standing up and 
you try to grab my arm and some shit, I'm just going to retract and move back, move back. I'm not going to use, let you get my momentum coming forward and flip me and throw me. It's kind of like that Krav Maga shit, you know, yeah. it's just kind of like, ah, you know, I don't know how realistic it is for, you know, cause I've had over the years, multiple dudes, you know, it being a military town with people coming from all over the world and they'll stop in the gym and they're like, Oh, I do Krav Maga or I do judo or I do a keto or this, I got a black belt and this. And you just wax them like it ain't shit. And you're like, yeah, that shit's bullshit. So, uh, so we got, uh, this kid named Rylan hit dude. He, uh, former two time state champion from Elgin. Uh, he, I think he won, he won third sophomore champion his junior and champion his senior year. Right. And so he was at heavyweight, right? So we had a we had, we do we've been doing open gym on Tuesdays for wrestlers, uh, for the wrestlers and stuff. It's really for anybody if they want to come out there and they're interested in it. But he shows up. I mean, he's like he used to have to cut to make heavyweight, right? And heavyweight's <laughs> two eighty five. Now he's looking. He's like two seventy, bro. He goes to school at OSU. Oh, wow. and he said uh, he he told me that he's been looking into MMA. He's been going and doing some MMA courses. I was like, dude, if let me know when you're. When you're ready, dude, I got, I like, I know some people, dude. He yeah, was like, for sure. Who talks like, dude, I don't talk to Southern, Tom Shelf, dude, I will hook you up with some people if you're int- really interested. Cause he told me the one of the problems he was having was like, he'd go to an MMA gym, uh, but he, he wasn't finding like good, they didn't have workout partners for his size. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. he said it was kind of an issue for him. I was like, dude, man, if he, he's like, well, I just kind of want to talk to somebody, somebody about the rules. I was like, dude, just take them down and beat the shit out of them. That's yeah. The rule number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grounded pound. Yeah. You, especially if you wrestled, the positioning that you'll be able to achieve on people and then the shots will open up, you know. Uh, I got multiple guys. Like, our MMA program's growing. I probably have 20 guys in there rotating in, uh, multiple bigger guys. Uh, We're just growing, man. People see what we're doing, and uh, I'm not going to – uh, def- I mean, I'm, I'm not talking shit, but we're definitely the best gym in the Southwest Oklahoma. We've got the best grapplers, obviously the best fighters, me, you know, Tom. Uh, and as far as the Southwest Oklahoma, I just don't see a better gym. We've got 200 plus members. We're not a rinky dink academy. We have, uh, we're affiliated with uh, Ricardo Calvacante, old school black belt from the Gracies and uh, the Vibe, Kevin Williams up in the city. Uh, another crazy insane black belt so we you know we've got we've got the situation on lock here we built it from the ground up and alpha mma is putting ourselves on the map we're competing in everything we just won uh the naga adult nogi uh as a team unit and we got the most points of all the most medals and everything right and didn't even take a lot of competitors down we just we just handle biz we have a very good program a lot of top heavy pressure and uh old school new school styles we we're leg lockers we we do it all so very proud of the academy and what we got going on uh we're making big waves so right. hold on i'll show you something you just make me think something i was gonna i was gonna put it on before you got here but i forgot it. my plan was when you showed up i was gonna have this on dog oh <laughs> uh, yeah i got some geese yeah my uh Rob, you remember Rob? You met yeah, him last yeah, time. Laws, yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he let me hold on to one. Wanted to get into this. Uh, I've been I've been to a couple of combat like a uh, combatives in the army, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all based off like a uniform, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, and so really like jujitsu, like no gi jujitsu. I really, I don't know, man. I just I'm not saying I don't like it. You know what I mean? But I I, I just wasn't comfortable, you yeah. know, with it. So. I figured I'd give this a try as well. Yeah. I mean? Oh man, it's fun. Just it's a lot slower because of the friction. Right. Like whenever you don't have all this friction on, you can explode out of stuff. You know, because it's skin on skin, so you yeah. get slippery. You can be able to move, be a lot more explosive, kind of like wrestling. But with that, it slows it down a lot, so you can think a little bit more. But there's also a lot more options. You know, because you have grips now. I can choke you with your lapel. I can choke you with the sleeve. Yeah. I can choke you with the belt. You know, you can choke them with anything. But uh, yeah, I have, I'm a two-stripe purple belt. I've done the gi for many years. I've been taking a break on it for the past couple of years for my MMA. The friction, and like I have, I used to play baseball a lot, so my elbows are trashed kind of from that, you know. So whenever I'm in that gi and it starts, that friction starts twisting around, it kind of te- tears my elbows. So I just took a break off of it because I need these to punch. Right. So I always tell people, I'm like, when I'm an old man, I was like, I'll get back to the gi. And they're like, you're already old, man. I'm like, hey, <laughs> fuck you. 
Shit, what are you, uh, 40? Yeah, I just turned 40, yeah. And they just made me get, for this fight alone, I had to get an MRI, a cardiac stress test, a cardiac echo, a dilated ophthalmology exam, blood work, and a physical. What's the stre- stress, uh, stress That's, test? That's uh, where they hook you up like your Ivan Drago to a treadmill. Yeah. They put those pat- They put about 20 patches all over your chest, and they uh, make you walk on a treadmill every three minutes. It'll beep, and it'll, in- it'll increase in speed, and the elevation will increase. And I was in such good shape. I came in at like a resting heartbeat of 50, which is like, you know, Olympic athlete level. Right. And she kept picking it up. And she's like, man, she's like, honestly, we never use this treadmill. She's like, no one's ever healthy enough to use the treadmill to take the test. We have to inject them with a medicine that raises their heart rate. And I was like, well, that's fucking scary. Yeah. And so like, she's like, so we kept going and she kept bumping it up. And we're about 15 minutes in. She's like, man, you're in good shape because we're on like level four now. And I'm I'm still haven't even hit 100 on the heart rate so we finally get it up to 160 beats uh, per minute after about almost 20 minutes of me running on that treadmill and uh, we hit it then two minutes calm down and they just take your blood pressure every so often they monitor every your heart make sure everything's perfect you have no pain and uh, before that I had to get the echo test and that's like ultrasound of your heart so I actually got to see my heart on a monitor all the valves opening closing shutting and I'm just really blessed that, you know, all this training and, and everything has helped me maintain, like, the most extreme, uh, elevated, like, perfect levels of health. Like, she was like, your blood pressure couldn't be more perfect. She's like, your heartbeat's perfect. You know, everything is good. And as far as my blood work and my physical and everything, everything's tip top. Like, but when I first walked in there, she was like... Uh, resting heartbeat of 50 she's like if you were uh, obese at your age i'd have to take you in and put your emergency pacemaker in right now she's like this is crazy Damn. and i was like i was like well i work out every day i'm pushing myself to the max i'm and i stay ready i don't take breaks uh there's no time for breaks at 40 so i'm uh very satisfied with what i've got going on i know that what i'm doing is working and I'm not just beating myself up for no reason. That uh, my inside is as healthy as my outside. So that was like a big plus to know. I think everybody should definitely go get all their blood levels checked, their organs, everything. Because you don't want to be you don't want to be 50 and find out all, all this all this stuff out where where you could have been preventing things right. or making changes beforehand. You know, so I get everything tested, man. I get all my hormone levels tested, organs everything i think it's just very important to know what you're dealing with so that you can have longevity in life because i don't just want to fight for a long time i want to live for a long time i want to be there for my son for my guys you know because after my career is over um i'm still going to be in the sport you know it's it's a part of me it's my identity so i'm going to stay in this uh genre and uh, keep coaching my guys and and elevating them and showing them the way that uh because people see what I do, they see it works. My young kids, they see what I do works. So they listen to me without yeah. a doubt. If I'm like, hey, man, you don't need to be eating that. You don't need to be working out like that. You need to, we need to have a recovery day or we need to do this. We need to do that. And, they, and they'll shut up and listen as opposed to just thinking that they know it all. Because if you're out here winning and, and you're handling business and you're doing and you're still whooping their ass, they're definitely going to listen to you. Right. But if you're out here fucking off and you're losing, they're going to lose respect for you and they're not going to listen to you. So right. it's good to, to, you know, like I tell everybody, just like with your own kids, like they'll do what you do, not what you say. Yeah. So you got to show them by leading by example. You know, right. if I tell my son, like, don't do this, don't do that, but I'm doing it. You know, he ain't going to listen to me, you know. So yeah. <clears throat> me and my girlfriend had this discussion the other day. Like, I'm not condoning kids cursing or anything. But, you know, one of the kids said hell. And I was like, well, you know, we cuss a lot around them. So we can't really jump on too bad because they're going to do what we do, not what we say. You know, even though you want to give them the best advice. And I was like, but if you're going to tell them to do something, got to lead by example. I was like, so it's kind of our bad in that, you know, obviously still can't say it. But uh, that just get let me be mentally aware of, you know, maybe I need to chill out on it. If I want to demand something from them, I need to show them by example what that that it's not acceptable 
You right. know what I mean? Same thing with your students, just like on the wrestling program. I know a lot of coaches like to get out there and show the kids they still got it, you know, yeah. so they can be like, hey, I'm not just talking out of my ass. I want you to know this is why I'm telling you to do it. You know, things as simple as jumping rope, you know, things that people are like, oh, we're just, they'll, I see them, I get discouraged. And I'm like, hey, man, I understand that, you know, you don't, don't, you don't jump rope really well and you see everybody out here making it look easy and, and all that I was like but we do these things for a reason these aren't just random exercises you know I was right. like this is going to help you with your footwork this is going to help you stay on the balls of your feet while we're moving around this is going to help your timing and you know because like we see I I just some guys come in there this week and they're like can you just show me how to jump rope and I'm like well here's the first tip the rope is only a quarter inch wide so you don't have to jump more than a half inch to right. clear that you know because you'll see these guys jumping you know like they're doing yeah. box jumps i'm like you're gonna gas yourself out and that's why you're breathing so hard yeah. i was like the rope is only this big you just have to jump a little bit higher you know so like it's, it's all technique you know bend your knees that'll elevate your heels and now we've created a spring so we're not jumping with our calves the whole time we're just created two different springs one at our ankles one at our knees and now we can just hop and just get into that rhythm of that timing i was like we're not just jumping rope to make you tired or to kill time i was like all of this shit is going to come together in, in, in the end you know like yeah. all the jumping rope all the hills all of the kettlebells like even the the ladder drills like a lot of people are like oh this shit's just filler you're just trying to waste my time um my coach tom Showoff is you know world-class athlete still does all the basic exercises still makes me do all the basic exercises and then explains to me why we do it you know and that's right. one of the things i started doing while i coach is explaining why we're doing the jump rope rounds explaining why right. so that they can understand like this is a whole of training it's like we're not just punching and kicking each other uh these are uh simple exercises that will help improve all the other aspects of that right. you know? so it's a it's a crazy journey uh really enjoying the coaching aspect of it i feel finally i'm at a place where i have enough knowledge where i i feel comfortable passing it down not looking like a jackass or you know having my other uh you know my other seniority coaches they can be like trust in me that i know what i'm doing to tell these young kids what to do so right I got coached class tonight. As a matter of fact, we had about 10 or 12 on the mat. Most of them new guys. So I'm looking to get all of my guys together for a, a big, uh, we got fights coming up, uh, ECF, Roll in the Cage in September, another Rage in the Cage in September in Shawnee, yeah. uh, OSU territory. Yeah. So uh, uh, I got a couple of young up and coming wrestlers from out of cash. Uh, one dude named Dre, one named Aiden. I'm really looking forward to their first fights and uh, trying to get them on some bigger shows. Like I try to guide them into places in the, in the, in the way that I wish somebody had done me, like put them in that big fancy show with the fireworks going off and the walkouts and the TV interviews. Like I want them to uh, live it up. You know, things are a lot different than when I started. So it's cool to be able to help guide these young kids and be like, I'm going to get you the best fights possible. The ones that make the most sense and let you feel like a superstar. Cause that's why right. that's part of it. Like it's cool to, to embrace the anxiety and the fear. Um, but it's also cool to embrace that moment of like, yo, I feel like a superstar. I get to come out and fireworks are like, it's the WWE shoot right. right beside me. And I'm walking down the big catwalk, getting in the cage of the Titan Tron with my picture on it. And, you know, all of that is like, it's an accumulation of the feelings, you know, the, the fear and the anxiety is definitely a big part of it. And then after it's over, the glory or the sadness of the loss, you know, and you, you just have to take it all in. It's like my coach says, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. As you know, as a wrestler, combat sports, is it's always like that, you know, because your ego is on the line, you know, yeah. all that hard work, all those blood, sweat, tears, like people are out here talking like, oh, I'm grinding on this and that. I'm like, I'm like, well, you, what you're grinding on and what you isn't a blood, sweat and tears type of grind you know like right. people are like oh i'm in the music industry i'm trying to do this do that i'm like well what we're doing is a little bit different man yeah. you know like there's really actual blood sweat and tears in what we're doing you will cry you will bleed and you are definitely gonna sweat right so and your ass is online and with you know how these young kids egos are so fragile these days um it's cool to see a few of the uh, warriors bust out, you know, old school style and let you know that there's still hope for the <laughs> future right. generations. There's still a few warriors left. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. Breed, uh, 
you know, mentally competent savages, you know what I mean? Controlled chaos by being a, a calculated savage, if that even makes sense. You no, know? that makes perfect sense. <clears throat> as far, going back to your training, though, um, you pretty much the same same coaches this this go around you did last time. Yeah, uh, Tom Showoff's my main my main coach. Shelby Anderson's my grappling coach, and I travel down to Ant. They just opened a new gym. It's at the Psych Center Mall. Uh, they have a killer kids wrestling program as well. So if you're in the Falls area, go hit up Ant. It's my home away from home. Uh, he brought my brother Bubba into the sport, you know, 19, 20 years ago. And he, he's a super solid coach. And I like to go down there and pick his brain because he's different than my coaches. And he'll give me different stuff that I'm not getting over here. So uh, I like to cross train down there. Because I fight a lot of the Oklahoma boys, and yeah. and I don't want to uh, eliminate a lot of opponents by making too many buddies. So, <laughs> and no. I've got a pretty big name right now. So, I just got hit up by old boy Travis Quintero. He's seven and zero, undefeated. Hasn't fought in a few years though, and he wants to get a fight in. So he's a possible uh, future fight. You know, um, maybe a title defense. I might go back up to 155. I really enjoyed, right. you know, bulking up and uh, not having to cut as much as I'm having to cut now because um, I, th- I have the frame to compete at that weight as well. Right. So um, who knows what the future holds, man. As far as, like, th- when you first started MMA, like, was it easier to uh, to shed the weight, I should say, than it is, than it is now? Now it's way easier just because I have the knowledge and the right. know-how. Like I cut 21 pounds because I fought in three different weight classes so far. I fought 135, 45, 55. I started out at 55 because I was a 200-pound man at one point. And then I got into the gym and, and was trying to make 186 pounds to fight in the tough man contest, the lower division, because back in the day there was only two classes, 186 and below and 186 to like 500. Right. So I was like, I definitely want to be below 186. So I just started training and, and uh, about three or four months went by and I was like 155 pounds. I went to weigh in. I didn't even have a scale at the time. That's how rookie I was and just stepped on the scale. I was like, God damn, I'm like 160 pounds, 155 pounds. And I was like, well, then that year in the tough man, they, 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 the commission made them break it up. So you had 160 and under, 161 to 186, then 186 to 500. Right. So I was like, shit, I'll cut five pounds, make the 155 mark and – you say 186 to 500? Yes, sir. It's the biggest weight what class the? there is. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's ridiculous. It's considered semi-pro boxing. So if you do a tough man, you will no longer be allowed to do amateur boxing. So. Oh, wow. I know so I'll, some, depending on the, the kid that I got, like if you want to box, I'll tell him, you know, it's probably not a good idea. But if you're just wanting to see how you perform under the lights because you want to do MMA or kickboxing or whatever, go ahead and try it out. Right. But yeah, I I had to cut 21 pounds the day of and six pounds the night before because I fought at 135 pounds, made that pretty easily because I had three months to do it. Well, then 28 days later, they offered me another fight and I took it and to be on the card with my brother Bubba for the first time. I was like, this might not ever happen. You know, this is a once in a lifetime deal. So me ballooning back up to 150 after the fight, 155, 160, and then having to come right back to 135, I didn't take those uh, rubbing alcohol, Epsom salt baths, where yeah. you pour like half a pound to get the hottest water you can get in yep. your tub, th- pour about three quarts of freaking green rubbing alcohol in there, and that and that uh, that Epsom salt, and I had to take three of those uh 20 minutes in, 20 minutes out, and they'll, they'll tuck you with towels and blankets and comforters, yeah. and you'll just lay there suffering. Somebody has to pull you out of the water. Something happens in that water. It's like a chemical reaction. You yeah. start sweating in the water, yeah. and you're so exhausted by the 20 minutes, they have to pull you out, and then they lay you on the ground, tuck you in, and I had to do that like three times, one, two times the night before to cut the six pounds, and then three times the day of to make the weight. <clears throat> and then I gassed out in the third round. Did Went they, out first round, won the first round, got my ass kicked the second round, third round, so gassed. And I was right. like, and I, like it was almost an even round, the third round. I just had to spin out, you know, land on top. And I probably could have possibly won that, won the, won the round and won the fight. But I was just so tired, so gassed. Right. And that's when I was like, I'm not cutting this weight no more. It taught me one of the biggest lessons. Like we were talking about earlier, I knew that I'd cut too much, that I was yeah. going to probably get tired. 
And that kid was uh, the kid that I fought was is in the UFC now. You know, what I mean, he really? flew in from uh, Demond Blackshire, okay. and uh, he flew in from North Carolina for this fight. They showed up in like a freaking stretch Hummer limo, and we're like in Woodward, a podunk town, fighting <laughs> a rodeo grounds. So I'm like, I'm like, what did I, what did I sign up for here? Like, yeah. who is this kid? You know? And he came out and was a very very skillful skillful uh, fighter. Uh, this is probably the most damage I've ever took in a fight. The second round, he just got his hooks in, wind up getting me down, got my got his hooks in, and he rode my back for three minutes, just beating the shit out of me from. And I just kept trying to, I stayed, I survived, but I definitely took a lot of freaking damage. <clears throat> but it was one of those fights where it, it made me feel like you know I belong here. I I got I know what I belong. I need to keep keep making this happen because I'm getting better. And uh, and then after that, I broke my hand and. It's been a. It was a three-year layoff. Broke it, shattered it into three pieces. Training, got got it healed a little bit. Then broke the one next to it, mm. the, the carpal next to it, and then broke it, broke it again. And then on my other hand, like these other little bones on top, I popped it and it slid down into this little crevice right here. Mm. So then when I do that, it would pop back over and just a lot of. I wasn't training smart. We didn't really have coaching back then. We were just a bunch of fighters here with no coach beating the shit out of each other. Right. So, like, my whole enemy career was really not me living up to my full potential at all. Like, right. Until I met my coach, Tom, uh, he's turned my whole career around, uh, took the skill that I had, improved it, and then gave me a bunch of others. He, he's introduced me to all my wrestling. He's introduced me to, you know, the – the, the super technical pinpoint aspects of striking, you know, like simple little small things that tweaked my game in a, in such a big way. <clears throat> so I always have nothing but love and respect for uh, my coach, Tom. I fucking, I just couldn't do it without him straight up. So it's right. so one of my main uh, deals I tell young kids is like find a coach that speaks your language, you know, like find yeah, somebody that can like, cause we all think differently. And like, sometimes I'm dumb, like, and he knows that I have to learn through failure sometimes to where like he can tell me to drill it and tell me to do this, but he knows I got to go in there and get my ass beat by doing the wrong thing sometimes in training before I'm like, okay, this is what I need to implement. This is what I need to do. He just knows like he, he can see me moving out there and he'll be like, you're back. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like kind of stiff or whatever. And he'll pop something somehow he knows. And I'm just like, Oh damn, how'd you know that? And then I'm moving so much better. Like he, his IQ is just out of this world. He can just watch you do something and he knows exactly what where you're going wrong and like what you need to do. He'll be like, okay, you need to scoot up half an inch. You need to move this foot just slightly over here when you, you know, don't to bring this foot with you when you throw right. this punch, you know, extend all the way on that. And just like those small things and they cause such big revelations. You're like, damn, okay, this made such a big difference. Like, And then you're curious, like, what else can he pick apart of mine that I'm doing wrong and make it that much better? Right. So find a coach that speaks your language and uh, stick with them, man, because they'll take you far. Like, individual sport, but it takes a whole fucking team to get you there. No, 100%. That's, that's, that's invaluable, too, you know, to have somebody like that in your corner. Uh, I'm assuming he's really corny. Uh He's actually got uh, some some family function. He won't be here this time. He's got to go up to Michigan. But my brother Bubba will be there. My grappling coach will be there. Um, so uh, he's given me everything that I need. So I can't always rely. You know, we all have our own lives. I can't always rely on uh, people to be there. Just like I said, nothing ever goes perfectly. Right. So, but I don't let that get in my way. I'm still gonna go out there and make him proud and do what we've trained to do, regardless. Yeah. Tickets. Um, I'll have tickets till tomorrow. I may, I may try to hang on to some, um, Saturday. So, uh, the day before the fight, I've got some VIP individual tickets left. I think I have one table left, maybe, um, general admission, $35 ringside, $45 VIP, um, $85. You get beer tickets. You get some food and you have a waitress so you don't have to get up and stand in those long lines. Right. Um, so, yeah, man, check check me out. Hit me up. Um, if you can't buy them from me, you can go to stubwire.com, Rage in the Cage 94, and just click my name, uh, Tyson Southern, when you check out so I get credit. Right. Cool. Try and make some money. One thing I was going to add, uh, you, you brought it up earlier. Uh, 
the testing. Like I, I meant to ask you this earlier, but we got sidetracked something else. But the testing the, to get your, you know, your your organs, blood tests, and all that stuff. If you was somebody uh, that was you know starting over, right? They're like, you know what? I've listened to Tyson Southern. You know, he's able to do this at his age right now. He's making it look easy, but he had to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Uh, and you got somebody that is, I would say, our age, right? Forty. Uh, they want to start over right now. And they need, the first thing they probably want to do is go to a doctor and get their health checked, right? Yes, so they can know how far they can push themselves. Yes, sir. What would your advice be for them? What, what would they need to go talk to the doctor about? I would just say, uh, I would say, look, um, I'm interested in fighting. I'd like to get a full physical, make sure that my body is in tip-top shape, and uh, definitely get some blood work done to make sure, you know, my, my blood pressure is good, my organs are good uh even get your hormone levels tested we have a a guy um who's who is i think he's 40 and he's about to try to take his first fight at our gym he's doing private lessons and uh you know trying to do everything he can do based around his schedule you know because a lot of people you know it's a bucket list you know and fighting is something that's in all of us it's not something that you know like you got to learn to play basketball you got to learn to play baseball you got to learn sports but fighting is a natural human instinct that we all have so i think it's there's a fighter in all of us deep down and you know it's especially as men you know you know we want to pull that primal instinct out you know we we are in a soft society today where we don't get to be pull that savage out you know like we used to back in the day we had to go fucking wrestle a bear to save your family or you know some shit like that yeah. or um so you know a, a lot of you men especially young men have all this uh pent up savage inside of us where we don't get to release it so a lot of people that have that bucket list. I have people all the time telling me, like, you know, I can't believe you're four, you're doing this. I'm like, hey, man, we all have a fighter in us. Go get your health checked. Yeah. Make sure you're capable of doing it. And then, you know, go full blast at it. You know, don't, you know, it's, this isn't a sport where there's going to be a lot of yes men. I tell all my guys, like, you're not ready. You, you, you know, and try not to be a dick about it and be like, you fucking suck. I'm like, hey, you know, we got to, we got work to do before we can put you in there with somebody that's, ready to take your head off you know but yeah just go to your doctor or go you can go to you know anywhere just to get some blood work done and just say look i'm it's not very expensive to get blood work done i think it's like 150 200 bucks uh you can go and just get your whole panel done see where you're at see what your cholesterol is see see where everything is so you can be like okay let me get in shape and get all these up if that's if they're down and then we'll start tackling the the combat aspect of it you know but you know training and for losing weight and training for skills two different things right so you know you get guys come in and i've got multiple kids that came in this week and we were doing technical striking they're like well i want to do mma i don't want to just kickbox i'm like this is all a, it's you're learning different parts and they all come together so right. i understand what you want is not you know is not what you what you envisioned is probably not going to happen. Right. Your coach is going to say, "All right, well, you, we're going to work these different aspects. We'll slowly start combining them together." Right. You know, because you got to teach things one at a time. I can't teach striking and wrestling at the same time. You can only absorb so much. So one day we learn the kickboxing aspect. One day we'll learn cage work. One day we'll learn this, and then one day we'll maybe put it all together. You know, in the sparring day. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's. Just make sure that you're healthy. It's not a sport you want to come in half cocked. Right. And uh, yeah, just go get, go check yourself out. Make sure you're healthy. Go, you know, they'll do a simple physical, you know, check your, check your knees, check your, your elbows, your shoulders. Make sure you don't, you know, cause you don't, you don't want to rush into this sport and then blow your shoulder out or blow right. your knee out. I've seen it a bunch of times and it, that that's the, at 40, that's almost a career ender. Like right. if I was to blow my ACL out or, you know, something like that, where, you know, you're talking about six months recovery, you know, and then that's before you can even get back into shape. Right. So you're talking about almost a year out in some cases. So that you got to take care of your body. You got to stay healthy. You know, my coaches, you know, cause I usually just go full blast crazy all the time. And my coaches have slowed me down. They are like, Hey man, uh, cause I went on like a two year streak before I broke my hand. I was fighting all the time. Never took a day off. I fight Saturday. I'm back in the gym Monday. And then I broke my hand and I was telling my coach, I'm like, I'll be back in the gym Monday. He's like, no, 
you're not allowed back in the gym for at least three weeks. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you've been going hard for two years yeah. nonstop. He's like, I need you to recover. And he's like, and we're going to start implementing more recovery days into your training program because I don't want you going balls to the wall 24 seven. Like even my sprints, I do the Cameron Hill sprints yeah. and he's even changed those up just based on for recovery. He's like, he's like in a fight, we're not going balls out 24 seven. He's like, so I want you to run up the hill take 10 seconds, walk back down, then burst back up. Because right. before I was just going 30 straight, like going ham, 30 minutes nonstop killer cardio. And he's like, well, it's not really realistic for what we're doing, so I'm gonna switch it up. Uh, it's just the knowledge that he has, you know, to to take something that I was doing and make it better. And right. I really appreciate that. And and I and I take this in as myself, because everything I learn, I pass it down to my kids. You know, right. like, he gives me drills. He gives me things and explains them to me. I go over them and I'm like, okay, I see where this is helping me. I, I see it makes sense. Now I can pass pass this knowledge down. You know, it's just the martial arts way. You know, father to son, father to son. Even though they they may not be your son, but you know, generationally in the gym, you know, the coach is the the authority figure, and then you have your student. Right. So it's still like a father son type yeah. deal, and or daughter because I have female fighters as right. well. So. Uh, speaking of father son, uh, last time I talked or the time before last, I believe you said your son was starting to train a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, he's been training since he was about five. He's a four stripe gray and white belt. Um, just recently, his striking is picked up. He just got Ill- just got more interested in. It. I don't know if it's because he's getting older, about to hit puberty or whatever, but he. he He's, I'm, it's getting to the point where I can, I'm starting to see improvement. And that's just a big, uh, overall makes me super happy to see, you know, like over time, like even though he was a naturally gifted fighter or naturally gifted, you know, court coordinated in the beginning. And now I'm like, oh, I see that all of our work is finally paying off, you know, cause you, you can have, I have a young, a young woman in my class or a young, a young girl and she just picked it up so natural she cracks harder than all the boys her kicks are are amazing and uh, she's probably and she's she's like 11 or 12 and she's already asked me for a fight and then she's that good she just picked it up and just hits so hard like she she makes the mitts pop like she's a man i see like when we're over there in my class on tuesdays she starts cracking like people from around the gym are like what the hell is going on over there and And, you know, to see, you know, you know, obviously my son, you expect like, oh, he's going to get in there. He's going to be badass, right. and, you know, like me. And But he wasn't like that. And now seeing that training and nonstop consistency is uh, is paying off, you know, and his kicks are getting cleaner. His punches are getting better. And I'm just like, all right, you know, you know, we can make, you know, like they say, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. So seeing his hard work and seeing him now catching up is like it's, it's just overwhelmingly uh, such a great achievement for me to to be a father and watch my son get these gains, uh, uh, you know, physically and watch his uh, skills grow. It's such an honor to be a part of it, to know that I'm having a hand in that, you know, his I don't do his grappling coaching. I do here and there, but mostly I let um, his uh, coaches handle that because I think right. it's important for for kids to learn to take instruction from other people as 100%, well. 100%. Yes. Uh, so they ha- learn to have respect for everybody, not just your parent telling you what to do <clears throat> and have faith in uh, the people that are teaching you, you know. Uh, so, you know, big shout out to my son, Stone. I love you very much. Uh, big part of my life. I can't wait to wrap that belt around him and put it up in his room this Saturday. That's pretty much what I'm doing it for. I just want to show my son, like, even, even it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. If you just work hard, train hard, and just keep grinding for your dream, it's going to happen. You know, he's going to do it because he's going to see me do it, not because I'm telling him, go for your dream, son, do this. I'm going to like, hey, I'm going to show you every step of the way. So you're going to have the blueprint. So when your time comes, you're going to know exactly what to do. It's going to be a lot of hard work, but that blood, sweat, and tear mentality, regardless if it's fighting, you know, I don't care if he wants to be a fighter or, or he wants to be, you know, uh, you know, anything in life. I just want him to, to. To know that you know you try hard no matter what you're doing, you give it your all no matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're taking out the trash or mowing the yard, you know, 
when I mow my yard, I try to make it look like, you know, Bedrock Nursery did it. You know, I put the cross cut lines, like it's a baseball field. Right. I'm like, I'm like, we're going to put pride in everything that we do, son. You know, right. like, no matter even if it's the small thing. So it's like, cause that way you'll, you'll succeed in everything you do if you're giving it your all. So yeah, shout out to my son. I love him. And I can't wait to uh, win this belt and put it up in his room so he can tell everyone his dad's a champion. What, uh, what grade team? He's going into sixth grade. Going into sixth grade. He goes to a bishop, so they don't have a junior high, but they're building. It's supposed to be building one across the street. Where you live at? Um, Country Club Heights in Lawton. It's kind of like on the west side by the Votech. Dude, I got a plan for you right now. Move to Elgin, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Move to Elgin, bro. I need your boy on my wrestling team, dog. He's only sixth grade. I can't get in trouble for saying that. I don't think anyway. Let's double check before I put that out. <laughs> yeah, he 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 was saying he wanted to wrestle, and I was like. Well, you better get ready to work, son, because it's hey, a working ass. Matter job. of fact, bro, that house right next to mine is over here is coming over still. Oh yeah, Those people just moved out because they want to sell it. <laughs> we'll have to get so, I got that you out. a place, dog. I got you figured out, man. Oh uh, yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah, nah, man. Uh, my boy uh, Jamel, he he was he was renting the house, and then they uh, the, I guess the owners decided they want to sell it, so he moved uh, he moved further in town, I should say. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But anyway, brother, it's been uh, been a little bit over an hour, dude. You got any shout outs or anything you want to go or? Yeah, uh, lot and bail bonds. If you're in the shady and you get your dumb ass in trouble, give Savannah a call. She'll come and get you out. Uh, Red Dirt Reloaded. I'm doing an after party, victory party, August 12th, because we know Swisher's gonna win. Um, it starts at four. I'll have uh, probably some merch available. And uh, just come hang out and kick it and celebrate. Uh, um, who else do we got? Uh, Goose Reapers, Civil Savage. Um, Lockdown. Um, I think that's it, man. Cool, bro.